We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The trade deadline is over and the youth movement has started. I think the last uh, part of the season should be pretty fun for the Royals. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank y'all so much for tuning in in the midst of football season being underway. I still appreciate y'all listening to this weekly show about a last place baseball team. But joining me to talk tonight is Jacob Milham. He is the host of the Royal Rundown podcast, does some other work throughout Kansas City Sports Online. You go to his Twitter bio. He has all, talks about the Chiefs and the Royals quite a bit, but he's taking the time tonight. And I know you got another show to do, so we got to get rolling. But how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Hey, I'm I'm staying busy like y'all over at KCSN. I'm just uh, I'm just not as as big. My umbrella is much smaller. I think it's like a I think it's like a water glass. While y'all are, you know, a downpour. So I'm I'm all here for it. Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, don't tell yourself short, man. You do great work. But uh, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. Recap the trade deadline. Uh, some of the roster moves that have happened over the past week. Uh, before we get to that, the show is always brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Let's hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. 
Thank you, as always, to KCSC for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. So the trade deadline has come and gone. I did a live reaction show on Tuesday about an hour after the deadline. The Royals made a few moves. They made three trades uh, within like the day of before the deadline, and then on the day of, they traded uh, Emmanuel Rivera to the Arizona Diamondbacks for uh, Luke Weaver, pitcher, uh, who is likely going to be a reliever for the Royals, possibly works his way into the rotation next year. The big move was trading Whit Merrifield to the Toronto Blue Jays for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Uh, Taylor is a middle infielder. Max Castillo is a pitcher. They're both currently in Omaha. Castillo probably works his way to Kansas City at some point before the end of the year. And then they also traded backup catcher Cam Gallagher to the San Diego Padres for outfielder Brent Rooker. So not anything flashy, nothing nothing crazy, but they made the, some of the necessary moves they needed to make by trading Andrew Benintendi and by trading Whit Merrifield, and then the, you got the couple ancillary ones by trading Rivera and Gallagher, two that I wasn't expecting but felt like kind of obvious moves in hindsight. But what, what were some of your thoughts on what the Royals did at the deadline? Um, yeah, you, you really have to focus on what they did instead of what they didn't do. Um, I know I was on trade deadline day. I was clamoring, you know, seeing the returns on some of these relievers. I was like, hey – Go, go knocking on some doors. Let's get Barlow out the door and let's get some of these top prospects as well. But that 11th hour trade of Whit Merrifield, I think, really made the trade deadline a kind of a, a wash. You know, it had some positive things. Um, you got some people out the door. I really like the return for Merrifield, honestly. I think yes. Castillo is, is an underrated return. Um, I was talking to some guys who covered the Toronto Blue Jays. And Castillo was sent down so that they could stretch him out into a starter. So I think he has a very good chance of, you know, cracking that rotation, especially with a lot of question marks on the Royals. But it wasn't great. It wasn't awful. It was an okay trade deadline in my view. That's about how I feel about it. I... I'm not trying to focus too much on what they didn't do. I felt like they could have done more, but they made they made two necessary moves they needed to make, and to me that's fine. Like I'm I'm good with that, and I'll I'll leave it there. I wish they would have gone into the reliever market a little more, yeah. looked at at a Scott Barlow, at a Josh Sama, but with the years of control left, you know the Royal shot for the moon. They value these guys very significantly. There was some sniffing around Brad Keller apparently uh, that was reported by Mark Feinsand. But again, with another year of control, I don't know if the Royals wanted to make that move. Could be one they revisit at the uh, the offseason, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be a you know a team goes and gets gets him as a cost control for one more year. Michael A. Taylor felt like an obvious candidate to get traded with some teams needing a fourth outfielder, but that's not a move they make either. Likely, so I think that they'll revisit Michael A. Taylor in the offseason too. For sure. Uh, for sure. Especially with how Drew Waters is playing right now in Omaha it looks like that could be your starting center fielder in 2023 and Michael A. Taylor becomes expendable or at the worst case scenario, he becomes your fourth outfielder. You're not paying him. I think it's like four and a half million dollars if that next year. So you can, that's a guy you can have on your bench and that's just fine. I I don't know, but I don't know if he'll be any better next year than he was this year is having one of the better offensive seasons of his career from just a hitting perspective. He's sitting around 280. Uh, the power's always kind of okay with him, but yep. I felt like the, you probably wouldn't have gotten better value for him, you know, any better value for him than you would right now. 
But no. hindsight's always twenty twenty. That that's one. I am a little, I'm a little upset that they didn't go and try and replenish the farm system by going and getting something for Scott Barlow, something for Josh Stallman, even Amir Garrett. I think Amir Garrett still has a t- some value out there. I know it necessarily hasn't worked out in Kansas City, but the right team, I feel like, can still fix him, and he's very valuable. So at at the end of the day, the Royals did add you know six or seven prospects that cracked their top thirty. Yeah. Um, so I think that was they just didn't add a whole. They didn't really add any top tier talent. Obviously, Waters was kind of the best prospect that they got in the before the trade deadline. But I don't know. I wouldn't say they replenished it, but they definitely made it a little bit more interesting. I think. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think there are certainly some guys that are are intriguing out of there. I think Waters is the the biggest like kind of surefire guy that's in a premium position that the Royals need. They don't really have a legit center field prospect in the system right now. They have guys playing center field, but do they have a guy that you really think can roam the K for the future? And I, they really don't like John Rave maybe, but he still strikes out a a whole ton. And I don't know if he's a good enough athlete to do that every single day. They've sent Nick Lofton out there and he's been okay. I know they play Nate Eaton out there. He's been okay, but I don't know if they have a true center fielder every single day, which also probably is why that they, they held on to Michael A. Taylor because they don't want to put Kyle Isbell. They don't want to put Nate Eaton. They don't want to put um, you know anybody else out there that maybe they think can't hold it down the way that he can right now. So I, I get that. Putting your players in a position to succeed. So I get that. Beck Way, TJ Sigma. Uh, yeah. Those guys are fine. Like I, I think there's a big leaguer in there but between the, the two of them. Beck Way mm-hmm. feels very reliever-ish, which is fine. I think he's... Yeah got the a very nice profile with a, a hard fastball and a hammer-breaking ball. If he can cut down on the walks, there's a very nice reliever there, kind of like a Dylan Coleman type uh, would kind of be what I'm, I'm thinking out of him. I don't know about Samad Taylor. He's kind of, like, he's good. Like, he's not necessarily, there's no, like, carrying tool. Like, he's not leaning on one plus-plus thing to carry him to the big leagues, but he's just kind of good across the board. Um, not necessarily in the same way that Nick Lofton is. I think Nick Lofton is a better player, but in that same thing where like Nick Lofton is just very good all across the board without something eye popping. I think Max Castillo has a chance to factor into the rotation next year as your four or five, uh, a big fastball, you know, a good changeup, a good slider. I don't know yet where he fits in, but I think there's a chance he can at least compete for a rotation spot. If not, I think he can be good out of the bullpen still. I'm curious how they use him in Omaha, if they decide to continue to stretch him out like uh, Toronto was doing or not. Uh, other than that, Brent, Brent Rooker is probably just a quad A guy, a guy that you can, in a pinch, can come up and play in the big leagues. Big-time power, big-time strikeouts, but a good athlete and someone in a pinch that you can throw in there as a lefty bat. and Maybe there's a platoon opportunity there for him with like an Edward Olivares or something like that, and mm-hmm. go from there. Hey, they, they had to replace Ryan McBroom somehow, right? I think uh, I think now you have Brent McBroom there in Omaha right now. That's so. not a bad comp, actually. <laughs> I'll have to check in to see how he's doing across the across the. Yeah, he's ocean. in. Is he in the KBO or the NPB? He's in the KBO, if I recall that's, correctly. That's right. I, I liked him when they when they got him. I was like, oh, this yeah. actually could work. And then it was just like, oh, he's just a jag. <laughs> hey, look, you, there are some guys who are just going to be quad A guys. Yep. We've, I've kind of, I've called Ryan O'Hearn that 
myself because, you know, he goes to Omaha and he looks amazing and he comes up to Kansas City and he looks uh, So, I don't know. I don't know. I think Quade is a compliment for Ryan O'Hearn, but I'm not going <laughs> to go any not gonna go any further down that road. I've done that yes. way too often. But uh, what was your favorite move of the ones the Royals made from – you can go back to Carl Santana if you desire. But okay. of the trades the Royals made, do you, is there one that kind of sticks out as like you think the best one that they made? Honestly, I think the best trade, in my opinion, by far, is trading that competitive balance pick, the Absolutely. 35th over, overall selection. Considering what the Royals have turned that level of pick into in the past, um, I'm blanking on which pitcher was selected there in the 2018 draft class. Um, oh, I think that was, I want to say that was Lynch. So, I mean, Lynch has, he has been solid. But he might also be an outlier for the Kansas City Royals, especially considering you know how spotty the pitching development can be for this system. Now you get Drew Waters, a guy who is struggling in the Atlanta Braves organization, to Kansas City, where Kansas City has the correct hitting development coaches to fit to quote unquote fix what was wrong with him. Andrew Hoffman. A pretty good return there. Um, he's still in Double A. If I he's in Double A, and he's been okay. He he, he has been okay. Um, last I checked, I've I'm kind of tossing it up to you know it's it's a change, um, different coaches, different environment. That might be it. But if he doesn't kind of have some more good outings by the end of the year, we might want to address that one a little bit more. He looked great for the Braves. So the good pitcher is there. The pitcher that can you know go to AAA Omaha next year is there, but he just has to come out. And C.J. Alexander, he's a he is not a blowaway prospect, but here's the thing: he gives you organizational depth at third base, and especially with the Royals trading away Rivera, you know I'm not saying Alexander deserves an MLB promotion next year or the year after, but if injuries hit that position really hard, he could come up and at least competently play the position. Yeah, and that's a guy that absolutely hammers baseballs. When he makes he contact, and that's the operative word there because he strikes out a ton. Yeah. But when he makes contact, he hits it really hard. I agree with you that I think trading that comp pick was the best trade the Royals made, and that's not a knock on any of the guys that they got back. But when you just look at the value of what they were able to get, uh -huh. I like it. And here's just a perspective on how good Drew Waters has been since he's come to Kansas City. Uh, for AAA Gwinnett this year in 210 plate appearances in AAA in the International League, slash 246, 305, 393, with five home runs, 16 RBIs, walked 7.6%, K'd 27.1%, uh, 84 weighted runs created plus, so 16% below league average, and five stolen bases. Since coming to Kansas City in 78 plate appearances in Omaha, he's hitting 338, 423 on base, 676 slug, Man. five home runs, 11 RBIs, nine stolen bases. The walk rates come up to 12.8%, still Kang at 28.2, but that's come down 2% over the last week. So that's not nothing. And a 186 weighted runs created plus. So he is now 86% better than league average. A very, now, I understand that as a small sample size of 78 plate appearances, but you can see that they're obviously making some significant changes with him. And my God, his power is stupid when he can get to it. it is. He's not like he's got some really nice pull power, 
but he he's able to just flip balls to left field with ease and it goes over the fence. It's unbelievable what he's able to do. And he looks like the type of guy that can be your out your center fielder in twenty twenty three on opening day. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't so frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him for a few games um in twenty twenty two. I wouldn't rush him though. I would let him stay in Omaha and, you know, really get solid there. But how he I mean I hate to say it, but when I I saw DeGrom go against the Storm Chasers, I thought Waters, like, absolutely bullied him. And, I mean, you're talking, like, one of the top ten pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, and Waters hit a three-run home run shot to left center right off of him. Yeah. And, he made, and he made it look super easy. So he's a very tantalizing prospect. He is, in my opinion, he's the best prospect that the Royals picked up overall By far. in this. By far. In this, yeah. Um, there's not much for debate. Um, he, I think he has a middling floor, but he also has a very high ceiling. Now it's all up to him in Omaha to see how high he wants to set his 2023 ceiling. Yeah. I, I don't have super high expectations for him, at least initially in the big leagues. Like I think he's going, he's still a really good runner. He's a great defender. The strikeouts are going to hurt him early. But if by the middle of the year he's playing every day and he's at like an 80 or 85 weight runs created plus, then I'm going to feel at least okay that he can get better and go from there, especially working with a guy like Alex Zumwalt. Like he's going to make good adjustments at the big league level. I trust that the hitting coaches to be able to work there. So uh, there is at least a that return there makes me feel good. Now to the big league club. The season is what it is at this point. Like I'm yep. not going to try and hammer it too bad. They won a game in. Chicago, uh, but they only scored five runs in the entire series, so yeah. that's not great. But what oh, and what Merrifield did give us a nice parting gift by hitting a home run, the, the go ahead home run in his last game for the Royals. So, you know, yep. good luck in Toronto. But the Royals now are going to the youth movement. Like it is happening, it is here. We finally are seeing a full, like a lineup that is two thirds guys under the age of 25. Um, Michael Massey gets called up. Right after the um, after what Merrifield is traded, he is selected. Angel Zerpa, unfortunately, is going on sixty day injured list, effectively ending his season, which sucks because I really yeah. like what Angel Zerpa uh, is able to do, and I think he's a guy that factors into the rotation next year as well. And then today it was announced right before the game, Nate Eaton, who got a little bit of time in Toronto, now uh, is selected from Omaha. They optioned uh, Michael Garcia to AAA, so. Still technically a promotion for where he was in Double A, but now he's going to be the right. shortstop there in uh, in Omaha. And then Edward Olivares, who again has been awesome this year when he has been healthy. The quad injury is nagging him. He goes on the sixty day and effectively ends his season there too. But tonight in the lineup, the only guy, the only young guy that's not in there that is going to factor in every day is Nick Prado. But it's Bobby, mm-hmm. it's MJ, it's Massey, it's Vinny, it's Nate Eaton. You know, there's a good chance tomorrow all of these guys for a Friday night game are going to be in the lineup. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean this does not mean that I think the Royals are going to magically turn their season around, but it's at least going to be interesting. For the first time all year, it actually feels interesting to sit down and watch the Royals every single night, not Mm -hmm. just for Bobby's debut, not just for MJ's, not just for Vinny's debut. I know a lot of people watch those games for the debut and then probably started following casually. Now these guys are all in the lineup every single day and are going to start factoring into the winning that we hope is going to come starting next year. So it's at least exciting right now to be a Royals fan, to see all of these guys, all of the promise, and now there's a great opportunity for them to hold down some positions 
and be a part of the future. Yeah, there there certainly is. Um, and we're I, I'm just sitting here thinking about it wasn't that long ago where it felt like we were pulling teeth trying to get the organization to promote Vinny Pasquantino. And now and now they're just bringing promotions, you know, it seems left and right. But this isn't just promoting players for the sake of promoting players. These are all guys who have very much deserved a promotion and they have proven it at each level they have promoted to um, this season. I mean, Michael Massey, he had some batting stats that were like head and shoulders better than Vinny Pasquantino during their time together in Omaha. Nate Eaton, he has a lot of good defensive tools and he has a solid bat as well. Um, I'm, I missed if they scored his hit tonight as a hit or if it was an error. I don't know. Uh, let me check the box score while you're still talking. But he is... You know, he's already making an impact out there in right field right now. So at least the at least the Royals are tantalizing again. They're interesting. And l- like you said, I, I don't think anyone should expect them to, you know, even play 500 ball right now to close out the season. Like they're, they're not going to win half of their games between now and then. They, they might, and that would be a great step forward to 2023 but i'm not going to expect that i'm going to focus on the individual growth i'm going to see hey is you know nick prado he had six strikeouts in the chicago white Sox series is he going to improve on his plate um, approach Vinny pasquantino his ground ball rate is you know it's climbing and climbing and climbing and it ain't looking too good is he gonna fix that before the end of the season so um team record out the door if you want to be a negative nancy you could focus on that but if you want to be positive, let's watch these young guys play and see what they can do. So for the record, Nate Eaton's uh, batted ball was called a hit, at least according to the MLB box score. That could change later, but that <laughs> those types of things are not often changed unless it was blatantly obvious. So yeah. suddenly Nate Eaton gets a knock uh, in his uh, home debut at the K, and I think that's kind of cool for for Massey and for Eaton as these guys have gotten a little bit of big league time, but this is their first game at Coffin Stadium. Yep. So it's it's going to be pretty exciting. And you got the, the Red Sox in town, so you know there's going to be a decent crowd there every night. Uh, so these guys are going to get a, a really good opportunity to uh, to showcase themselves and showcase themselves to the future of Royals fans. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to the game tomorrow. And yeah. to Yeah, so I'm hoping to get to see a lot of these guys in there. And if you are looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at Tickets for Less. Ticketsforless.com has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fee, saving you big time over the other sites out there. You can say you can save even more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again is KCSN22. We will be right back after a short break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Jacob. So I'll open the floor to you. Was there any topic that you wanted to bring and and talk about whether you need to vent whether you need to something that you haven't talked about on a podcast yet that you feel like you need to to air out what you got well so there there are a couple of points but i do i would feel remiss if we didn't talk about a little bit more on on whit merrifield um you know he i wouldn't say it was an unceremonious trade everyone you know gave him his flowers on on the way out um but at the end of the day, I'm going to do my best Nick Wright impersonation here. You know, bring, bring my hands up into the screen. <laughs> I think that Whit Merrifield was the best post-World Series Royals player on this team. I think he brought a lot of hope to the team. I think that he brought some some competitive spirit to the team. Um, now, did he get a fair shake? I don't think he did. I think he should have been on the World Series roster. Um, I think he should have debuted a little bit earlier. And that kind of threw off his career in, you know, the whole track of it. I mean, the guy's 33 right now, and he could, you know, he very well should have debuted much earlier. But I do have to say, let's let's take away the, the vaccine statements for a second. Let's take away the kind of floundering performance early on in 2022. And I think, I, I, I really think that he is one of the best Royals players of the past couple of decades, at least. Um, and I think that he should get some recognition for that. Now, now you can push back on me all, all, all you want. No, Joel, no, I don't. I'm here I don't, for it. No, I don't have much of that, honestly. Like, to, to be honest, he was my favorite player for the last, since he came up. I love guys like him that had to grind to get there. Like, there's something to be said for the Mike Trouts, the Bobby Wood Juniors, the Julio Rodriguez's, the Juan Sotos that can just roll out of bed and go hit 300 and just the natural talents there. But I do, I have an appreciation for the guys that had to grind every single day to earn that opportunity. Like, and it, it was not one of those that was, you know, a given that they were going to be a big leaguer. There was no chance of that. When Merrifield was a senior sign that got drafted in the 10th round. Like there's no guarantee those guys make the big leagues. And especially after being a senior sign that took six years to get there. So yep. there is something to be said for that. He won a couple hit, you know, hit crowns. He, I believe he won a batting title or got close to it a couple yeah. times over 300. He won two or three stolen base titles. Uh, he was the best player on a bad team for, for most of that time. Now, now, was he the, the overall best? Maybe not, because I still think Salvador Perez, you know, you got Fair. an argument there, but yeah. most consistent, sure. And the fact that you can go out and man the post for 550 consecutive games. Like, yep. I understand the streak should have been ended a hell of a lot sooner, but there is something <laughs> yeah. to be said for, the, for go, being able to go out there and prepare and man the post for that many games in a row. And mm-hmm. the fact that he did it, it was the longest streak in the big leagues by a mile, and he still wasn't going to come close to getting the Cal Ripken Jr. streak. No. So I think that's it's, it's a, still a remarkable achievement to be able to do that. And he made a couple all-star teams. You know, again, that's not that's not a given to be able to do that. So, I think there there will be Royals fans who will look upon him fondly because he gave you, like you said, you gave a, gave a little bit of hope. 
during some of the one of the worst stretches that the Royals have had in a very long time. Yeah. So I mean, a couple hundred lost seasons. He's still out there leading off, hitting three hundred. Mm-hmm. Not hey. a lot of guys would be able to do that. So there is some credit there. Do I think things ended unceremoniously? It absolutely did. Like, yeah. how often do guys like that get booed at home? Right? Not often. Not often. Now, I know it was just the one night, but think about how much how beloved he was he was in this city for so long for it to turn that quickly based on right. the comments he made. And that has nothing to do with his decision to get vaccinated or not. It's right. more to do with the decision of, well, I guess my stance will change if I'm on a playoff team which was a slap in the face to his teammates and the organization that's given him so much. Yeah. So it did end unceremoniously. It ended awkwardly, but I wonder how it, you know, how history will look upon it in a couple of years. I know not right now. It looks like I, I'm going to turn on the, the blue Jays game probably when we're done recording just to see, and it's yeah. going to look weird not mm-hmm. seeing what Merrifield in the Royals uniform. It just will, but not like, whoa, that looks wrong. I think it's just going to be like, Oh, you know, cause, you saw him every single day for five, six seasons. Yep. So there is something to be said for that. Uh, but I, I'm curious how history looks upon him. I don't think he's a Royals Hall of Famer, but certainly no. going to be looked at as a, hey, that guy was a pretty good ball player for a long time. Yeah, he was. And you know what? I think maybe in, in a few years we, we can revisit the the case of him being a, a Royals Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, like one of the best in the organization, but let's let, let's put that to bed for a little bit. Let's let's let the man actually retire and you know maybe yeah. go go get a championship of his own if things go right for the Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean he's in the playoff chase now. Right now he yep. played for the play the for the four seed, and I, I'm I am happy that he's going to get that chance in October because he I know how desperately he wants it, considering he didn't get the opportunity in 2015. So. I, I know that uh, he's going to give it his all there, and I believe he's playing center field tonight for the Toronto Blue Jays. So that'll interesting. be interesting. Yeah, that'll be interesting. well. I know Springer's hurt, so that will probably oh, be that why. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Any other notes here? I know you want to talk a little bit about Bobby Wood Jr.'s defense at shortstop. It's obviously yeah. not been pretty. Um, the move back to third base feels obvious right now. I don't think that closes the book on him playing shortstop. I think it's. I mean, the the yips. I don't. I don't even want to call it that. But like the the errors at shortstop and the errors in the field happen to rookies like that all the time. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. There's a track record of him him being a fantastic defender by all accounts at shortstop for his entire minor league career. The scouting reports came out when he was in high school. I don't think he magically all of a sudden is terrible. So. No. But for right now, if you just want to keep his confidence up, let him play third and then let yeah. Nikki play short and give him that opportunity, then we'll go from there. But I I basically I'm not as worried as I know some other people are. I'll, I'll put that way. Hey, there and you know what? I don't I don't blame you one bit for that. Um, I did put out an article for Inside the Royals, you know, talking about maybe the Royals moving him to their full time third baseman because the, the organization doesn't really have that many high-tier options at third base while you do have some pretty solid options at shortstop. So maybe if he needs to kind of let the let himself slow down within the game, because that's what most of his errors look like. Like yep. they're just they look like he's just moving too fast. And that and that's okay. That's just, that happens when you have an super athletically gifted um I, I hate to say it, but kid out there playing playing a game that he's played all of his life you know he's talented he's he's gonna figure it out but when it comes down to brass tacks right now bobby witt jr is one of the worst defensive shortstops in in all of baseball unfortunately 
Um, his defensive run save metric is absolutely in the dirt. Outs um, above average is awful. Yeah, it's... And you know what? That's that's okay. It happens. We're not even talking about the guy below him in those, in MJ Melendez. But it's, it's, it's a part of being a rookie. But his both of their bats are good enough that you want to keep them in the lineup. You exactly. don't want to sit them down just because of that. So the the move of I think really Wit getting traded or Wit Merrifield getting traded was the domino that needed to fall because then you move Nicky over the shortstop better and then you have Michael Massey right there at second base who is a pretty a pretty solid defender. I need he won to... the gold he won the gold glove for all of minor league baseball at second base last year. Last year he's legit. So, he's legit. Yeah. So yeah, you know, pr- pretty solid. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm kidding. But so you have very much a defensive-minded middle infield right there, and Bobby Witt he is average at third base, and that's okay. It yep. keeps an above-average bat in the lineup with average defense. I'll take that any day of the week, man. Oh yeah, and I also think that uh, playing him at third puts a little more like I don't think it puts a little more pressure on his bat. I think it just allows him to just play a little freer and just go. Like we saw that early on in the year, like. He would. He still. He still made some really nice plays at third early on in the year when he was playing there every day when Montesi was healthy. So, I I don't think like I said at the beginning. I don't think this closes the book on him being a an everyday shortstop. I still firmly believe he'll have that opportunity next year. But if for now, if you want to play him at third, give him some. Still give him some time at shortstop so he can still keep that you know in his back pocket and, and move on from there. When it comes to MJ, I know the catching has not come along, but similar to Bobby. There are still there's a track record of three years in the minor leagues where he was yeah. one of the best defensive catchers in all of minor league baseball. So I I think the learning curve was certainly a little steeper for him. I thought the the ability for him to catch would take pressure off his bat and he was going to be able to to really at least thrive defensively. That has not been the case. Uh, he's playing left field today. I know they they're shifting him around the yeah. outfield. I don't know if that's going to end up being his permanent spot, but if nothing else, that versatility is nice to have. It is. And I still believe he has the opportunity to be the catcher of the future whenever they decide to just make Salvi full-time DH and let MJ be the guy. And I believe Sebastian Rivera is on the roster now too, so that takes that some is. pressure off of MJ to really get things going. And like yeah. you have to figure this out right now. Like, no, we'll catch you once, maybe twice a week. We'll let you get comfortable there, and we'll we'll keep things going that way. Rather than okay, you're just going to keep catching every day. I know it's been bad, but we're just going to keep throwing you out there and see what happens. I think that's a sign of a good good job by the the staff and the front office of the Royals to not put all this undue pressure on both those guys and just hey, you're going to keep failing, you're going to keep sticking here. Baseball's already hard enough, but no, we're just going to keep sticking here where it's you're obviously having some problems, right? When we can. Yeah move you a little bit, take some of that pressure off, and just go out there and play ball. It, exactly. And I think, um, right, you, you have to give kudos to this team. I think right now they do have pretty solid backup and versatile options at each position except for second base. I don't know um, who slides over if, like, Massey goes down and Lopez is at another spot um, on the diamond. I can't think of someone off the top of my head. Um, but well, you, you could probably bring up Michael Garcia. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so br- bring him back up, slide him over. But like I'm saying, you know, if if you want to give Bobby Wood Jr. another shot at shortstop, then, then you just swap him and 
him and Nicky. Nicky was pretty good at the corner. Um, you need you need to give Prado a break like today. You have guys like Isbell, Eaton, Melendez who can go out there, and they're they're all kind of moving around together in those outfield spots right now. So we've we had a lot of pretty valid criticism of the management of this team both on and off the diamond to start off the season. Um, I think they have shown some better decision-making in the late season. There is something that should be said for that, um, but I don't know, man. It's I'd, I still kind of want to see some moves made in the winter. I, I fully agree there, and I've hammered that point enough. I don't need to go down that hey, road. That's, I, can, I, can, I can head down that road as the, we wind the season down and head to the yeah. offseason. One more thing I want to talk about before we get out of here. Um, Brady Singer has impressed the hell out of me. The last I know mm. this last start in Chicago did not go as planned, but he still went six yep. innings and he gave up the four runs. But when you consider that last year, I don't think Brady Singer goes six innings and only gives up four in that game, right? Like I think he gives up eight and is done in the fourth, right? Like it just feels that way. And then you look at the start he had in the Bronx, where he goes seven innings, one hit, ten strikeouts. He had a two-and-a-half ERA over the month of July. He had mm-hmm. three or four starts with nine strikeouts or more. He's becoming the dude that we all hoped he would be. Yep. And we were in the middle of recording during his start last week, so I didn't get really the full chance to break it down. But coming into the year, I was like, you know, just stick him in the bullpen and let's just, just let him be sinker slider and move on. I didn't know if he was ever going to throw the change up. It seems like now he, w- <laughs> he, now he actually will. Um, still not throwing in a ton, but it's at least there. Mm-hmm. And the the sinker is just ridiculous when he's on, when he yep. can just put it anywhere he wants and gets that slider going back foot. Uh, like he had everything working there uh, against the against the Rays and against the Yankees. So I'm I'm excited for what he's going to do the rest of the season, and then I feel a lot better about him going into 23 as your two. I, I didn't think he would ever be a two. I thought maybe he'd be a three at the best, but I think he's certainly a two right now, and that is awesome for the Royals. It, it certainly is. You know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't even know if he was going to be the five. Um, yes. He, you know, he was very much on this active roster bubble heading into into the season, and now I couldn't imagine the, the rotation or the team without him. Um, there's... I feel very much a defensive difference when he's on the diamond. I think that it is a big cohesive change for this Royals team defensively when Singers is on the mound. It's It could be confidence. It could be communication. I don't know what it is, but sometimes you just have those intangibles that you can see with the eye test, and that is, what, that is one thing that Brady Singer um, brings to this Kansas City Royals team. And, I mean, come on, when, when the guys – nearly hitting opposing batters with pitches that they're swinging at. Yeah. It's it's just absolutely in, impressive. Um this is I I hope this isn't just a hot streak. I hope this is a sign of something that has changed. Um uh, but it's certainly, you know, flipped the script on his long-term outlook in Kansas City in my opinion. I'm I'm very excited to to see his next start. Yeah, and looking at two of the other guys, Daniel Lynch he didn't go very long in that game. It seems like he's over whatever blister issues he had. And I know he didn't go very long in that game in Chicago, but he was throwing with the same conviction that we saw in high A that in low A that made us think this guy is going to be 
an ace. Like he has that type of potential. He has that amount of fu in him and the stuff plays. And I think we're starting to see him turn a corner a little bit. Chris Bubich, if you want him to be your five, I think he's actually pitched to that right now. Like, yeah. is everything going to be stellar? No. But he's not walking near as many guys anymore. He, I don't think right. he had a walk in his last outing in New York when I thought he was going to get absolutely destroyed. He didn't. Mm-hmm. And get only and went six innings and gave up a couple of runs and got out of there. Like, yep. if that's what you're asking him to do, then I think he can completely fill that expectation. So that's fine. Yeah. Like, we're starting to see these young guys round into form, and when John Heasley comes back, maybe he gets back into the fold, and hopefully Angel Zerpa gets healthy for next season, and you got some roster decisions to make. Yeah, you, you really do. Um, I, was, I was sitting and thinking about it today, um, and this is going to be a big question that needs answering in the offseason. you got to figure out something to do with Jackson Kowar, because yeah. if, this, if that class had gone to plan, Jackson Kowar would be your ace, your number one guy above Brady Singer. I think um, so too. And it's, I wouldn't say it's disappointing, but it it kind of is. You know, thinking about w- what could have been. You know, you could have had for years. You could have had a staff of Kowar, Singer, Lynch, um, kind of the the flex, the flex four and fives there, um, with several options for those four and fives. It's. I don't know. I I sit and think about it when I'm look when I want to write a story. So many times, I just can't punt on Jackson Kowar quite yet, man. I can't do it. Yeah, I know. I I can't either. I love the guy. I've loved him since he got drafted. I thought he was going to be a dude. It has not panned out. Maybe he's able to work something out this this off season and and come back and be a either a really good reliever or hopefully he can get everything figured out and be a starter. I don't know. But I hope one thing I hope, and this will kind of be one of my offseason wish lists, but go make a trade like the James Shields trade. Go get a cost control pitcher that you have a, a plethora of bats that are that teams would covet. Package a couple of them together and go get go get a guy like a Pablo Lopez from Miami or yep. um I don't know. Or you go and just throw a bag at like a Nate Valdi or something like that and go and just solidify the rotation that way. I I don't know. Or F it. Throw, if John Sherman really wants to be a nice owner, go and throw a bag at Jacob DeGrom. He's going free agency. Yeah. <laughs> that's hey, a, that's a, that is a thousand uh, percent pipe dream, but I'm going to keep trying to hope <laughs> I stay. I wish it into existence with positive affirmation and it actually happens. Hey, you know what? Keep, keep plugging it, keep manifesting it, and it'll eventually happen, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, last question before I get you out of here, Jacob. I know you got to go do another show, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, go follow all the work he does inside the Royals at Arrowhead Addict, right? That's your yes, Royals site? Yes, Okay, cool. Yep, go. He writes, he podcasts, all that good stuff. Um, we'll plug it, you know, all of your stuff on social well, thank here. Thank you. I appreciate before it. We, before we get you out of here, what would your walk-up song be if you had to take a nap out at the K? Oh, my gosh. Um, wow, I wasn't even – if if I really wanted to troll Kansas City fans, I would pick the Applebee song. <laughs> and this is where Joel takes out the earbuds and he walks off screen. We don't talk and... about that. No, no, no. We, we we don't talk about that one bit. Um, I don't know. I I probably go something you know '90s country. You know, you you love those you love those songs to appeal to the fans. Like like Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson or something. Oh, like that's that. a good one. That's a good one. 
All right, I, I like that. I like that answer. <laughs> Much better than Walker Hayes, huh? Yes, by a million miles. <laughs> All right, well, Jacob, this has been awesome. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. And everyone listening, be sure to go like this video, leave comments. I go and hop in there and answer any questions you guys have. Subscribe to the audio channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I know there's a lot of Chiefs content out there, but I appreciate anybody that listens to this or watches this. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.